Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Hello and welcome to Locked on Women's Basketball, Episode 3. I am your host, Howard Megdahl. Happy to be with you as always. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked on WBB. I would also urge you to subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever RSS device you use to subscribe to podcasts. You can go ahead and like us on Facebook as well, Locked on Women's Basketball. have a couple of treats for you today. Uh, first of all, we're going to be talking to Kelsey Mitchell, who is the absolutely fantastic scoring guard for Ohio State. Uh, Kelsey took some time to talk to us at Women's Basketball Media Day. We chatted about her prolific scoring and exactly what she's looking for out of Ohio State coming up this year. Then we have a bit of a roundtable discussion. We'll be talking to Mackenzie Adams, Alicia Froling, and Travis Mays of Southern Methodist University. That trio is going to help to build a revival there. Travis is in his first year as a head coach at the SMU program, and it is a fascinating team to watch. There are some forgotten teams beyond Connecticut in the AAC, and they should not be forgotten. So here at Locked on Women's Basketball, we're going to do our best to make sure they are not. And now, without further ado, here is Kelsey Mitchell, immediately followed by that SMU trio. Thanks for listening. Could you take me through what it feels like to you when you find that groove, when you're going, you know, it's midway through the second half, you're getting to 30, 35 points, and nobody can stop you. What is that like emotionally? What are you feeling at that time? That um, keep, keep, I always try to keep myself as humble as possible. Um, I'm not too into the points and what's that. I'm just trying to get a win for the team and myself, um, for our, for our the, the team we represent on our chest. Um, at the end of the day, like I said, it's not. I'm not too much into the the points and what I'm doing is flashy or nothing like that. At the end of the day, it's just what the team needs. Mm-hmm. And then, just the the aspect of it, where do you feel like though you're going downhill? Do you feel like you're tilting toward the basket? You know, does it? I mean, perspective. I of a what, but like, is that what it feels like to be you? Uh, well, Coach Mitch, our one of our assistant coaches, put, puts huge impact on making it seem like you're actually going downhill. And uh, when we train like that, and we try to, we have it's repetitive. It, it seems that way. It does. And uh, like when we train and we do like a lot of drills, pretending to going downhill, he puts huge impact on that. And it kind of sort of feels that way. You have packed like that, and he the ways we train, it's repetitive, 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 repetitive. And once it gets in the games, it's, it, it, you try to make it translate. You know, a lot of focus on the success you had last year. When when you're already playing to such an elite level, what's the summer like for you? What's the next skill and the next evolution in your mind as you think about what you know what to do next? Um, I just want to be a mature guard. I want to be a mature point guard. I want to be able to. <laughs> Um, I was just telling the last guys, be able to make the right pass, knowing what's good and what's not good, what's a good shot, what's a bad shot, um, knowing when to slow down. Um, everybody always talks about how fast I go and how good it is, but it's not always good to go fast. Believe me, I know. You run over people, get charges and stuff like that. So it's a, it's, I got to mature 
as a point guard. So um, at the end of the day, it's about growing here and mentally and physically, and um, definitely mentally, being able to um, keep hold my ground and stay mentally there, emotionally, everything. So that's where I want to go in my next step. You, you guys had such a successful year, you know, but it started on such a difficult note. What was that? What was that like? How much did you think about the season in those terms, and how much did you sort of refer back to it over the course of the year? Uh, I know, like for for the guards and myself, um, I took time to uh, watch the film and and f dial in and focus on the things that where our flaws were and where my flaws were. And I think those, even though we started off rocky, I think it helped us during the stretch in which we needed to win games, uh, a stretch to where we needed to focus and dial in on uh, the middle part of the season, which was really important. And when you get into the Big Ten Conference and when you get into those big-time games in the uh, Big Ten Tournament, although we didn't do well in the Big Ten Tournament, I think knowing that we played a team like South Carolina early and knowing that we played a team like UConn early, I think it helped us. Given what you know about Maryland and you know who they're bringing back, what what do you see in terms of that challenge, and how do, how does what you were able to accomplish against them last year play a part into what um, you know into that battle at the top of the Big Ten this year? Um, Big Ten in general is a really really difficult conference to compete at. Um, you got to play somebody good every night, regardless of the rankings and what they say. Um, a team like Maryland is always amazing. <laughs> I'm sorry, they're always amazing. So on any given night, it could be a good night or a bad night when you play a team like Maryland. Um, they're really, really amazing. So you can only respect them and what they bring to the table every night and bring to the court every day. So you just take that game one day at a time, take that game one play at a time, and whatever happens, happens. And, and who's like the, who's an unsung hero? Because right, the Big Ten has such depth of talent. Who's an unsung individual hero that you see elsewhere in this league? Uh, it's hard to say. Like I said, it's really, like when I say like the Big Ten is really, really hard to compete at. You really legitly play against somebody and play against a, t a great team every night. Um, whether it's the physical part aspect of it, whether it's the the plays they run, whether it's how fast they play or how slow they play. I mean, it's always impactful every night. So it's hard to say. Do you see yourself as a point guard at the next level? And are, are there ways? Are there people you pattern yourself after at the WNBA level that you think are um, your pathway to getting there? Uh, well, I'm just trying to focus on what we have going on this year and, and the year, next year following, not to disrespect your question, but sure. it's just I'm just trying to focus on the stuff that we have going on, going on this year and the stuff that I can do better at for my team this year and next year. Is there anything short of a national title that will leave you satisfied with this season? Um. The whole thing, though, everyone's goal is to win a national championship. But at the end of the day, I want to be better than I was on and off the court by the end of this year. So. Any aspect of your game that we haven't touched on? You just don't want to be limited by what I'm asking you. What, what's on your mind? Um. Well, I think you touched on everything. Um. Like I said, slowing down is one of my biggest uh, aspects right now. Uh, everybody talks about speeding up, and everyone talks about how fast I play, or everyone sees that and likes a good thing. But um, it's, it, it's, it has, some of those things have to change. Like the pace of the game can change a little bit for me. Are you? And does that mean slowing down in practice? How do you make that happen? It's just like basically taking plays and knowing what you can see, seeing it. Like I said, I was telling you, seeing it before it happens, uh, being able to evaluate before you want to go and just go down the court and potentially run somebody over, you know what I mean? So just being able to take time and evaluate before you actually do it. So. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And now Alicia Froling, Mackenzie Adams, and Travis Mays, all of SMU. Enjoy. You know, if you could take me back to the game against Cincinnati last year where you scored 33 points and whether that felt like um, 
sort of a, a, a sense for you of something, a new level to reach and something that you're able to do um, in, in your mind that maybe you weren't there before? Um, I mean, I feel like I should be able to play that every night. Obviously, mm -hmm. I had a great night that night. Mm -hmm. um, my teammates were finding me in the right spots. I was hitting shots. Mm -hmm. But I do hold myself. I'm very hard on myself. I think coach knows that. Mm -hmm. I'm very negative. But that game really showed me what I can do. And then the rebounding was something that it had annoyed me since the Texas A&M game when I equaled the record but didn't break it. So mm -hmm. that was kind of one of my goals through the season. So that was like a nice cherry on the top I suppose I'm sure. so. and, and and I mean but even just to average a double double the way you did last year you know does it does are there numbers in your mind when you think about how you want this year to go that you know are you saying you should play that way every night but is there you know are there stats in your mind that you think you know this is where I should be there is but then I also like I want to win so mm -hmm. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to win if that means I have to average a double-double I'll do it but if that right. means I have to do something different then I'm willing to do that too as long mm -hmm. as I get a W I'm not so focused on the numbers like it's cool if I have a good game but then if Kenzie comes out and scores 30 and we win mm -hmm. I'm gonna be happy for her too sure and, and Kenzie, to that end, you know, do you think in terms of efficiency, I mean, you, you know, uh, the way it seems like you're able to create um, your own shot is really significant, um, especially, you know, in this league. Is, is efficiency most on your mind? What's most on your mind for sort of the next evolution of your game? Right. Like she said, winning is definitely the first thing, but um, I think this year, last year I had to look to score more just because of the offenses that we were put in. Right. But I think, for one, our coaching staff is putting us in really good positions to score better, or for everybody to score, everybody to produce. But also, mm -hmm. we have so many options this year for scoring that yeah. it's not going to have to just come from me. There's just so many options. So, like she said, if, if it needs to be me passing more, me getting somebody else, if somebody else is hot, that's mm -hmm. what we're going to go to. And, and Coach, you know, obviously, first of all, congratulations. Thank I haven't had a chance to tell you that. Thank but you. Um, when you think about sort of the prospect of what this program can be when you sort of imagine um, you know the, the the entire college basketball world is looking up at UConn right and and I know obviously Gino made a call but how you got here was was very different you know there are a number of coaches in this league who uh, coached with him you took a different path do you see the way to be the next power in women's college basketball as emulating them or as doing it in a different way well it's a combination of both. Uh, it's okay to be a copycat as long as you copy the right cat. Mm -hmm. So if you copy Gino Ariamo, I think that's the right cat because he's Fair dominating enough. the women's game right now. Mm -hmm. So the way that he coaches the game, I think it has been different than any other coaching women's basketball. But then again, then when you watch Notre Dame, they started playing similar to how he was playing. Yeah. So you have two teams that was basically dominating. He was playing a style of play where it wasn't just about sets. They were making reads and they was teaching players how to play the game mm -hmm. rather than teaching players how to play sets. And I think that's what separated because I think the, the numbers went to 70 to 80 points a game. Right. So when they go to 70 to 80 points a game, how many other teams in college, women's college basketball can score 70 to 80 points a game? Not many. So that puts you in a whole nother stratosphere. Isn't a lot of that mismatches? Isn't that well, being can, able to create those mismatches? You can, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I yeah. totally agree with you. Yeah. It could be mismatches, but it doesn't matter if you have a mismatch of your mindset and your mentality is not putting the ball in the hole or right. the team is not reading what the defense is. You can have a mismatch, but the team is constantly running the play and they don't even see that mismatch. Mm -hmm. So this team, they read because you have five players just looking to find the best way to score as soon as possible. As soon as the defense breaks down, they looking to score. Mm -hmm. That's how 
every offensive possession becomes attack mode mm -hmm. and it puts the defense on their heels. So that's why you have so much separation. Alicia talked a little bit about the, um, you know, that you guys are being put in a better position to score. Yeah. When you think about what her numbers were already, mm -hmm. what what do you think is a reasonable expectation, and how much of the opportunity to improve comes from just that you're you're a mismatch against virtually every post in the league? Yeah, she's a mismatch. At at the same time, I look at those numbers, and I know those numbers can increase mm -hmm. if we do what we're talking about as a team. Mm -hmm. But see, there's a process in how she had to score last year, as well as McKenzie, how they scored last year. I want them to score more efficiently so they can be they can last a lot longer. The mm -hmm. way that they played last year, they exerted so much energy. Sure. You look at the preseason non-conference schedule, that's gonna be tough on them. Mm -hmm. That's a long road right there alone. They can be they can exert as much energy as they spent all season last year right. just in the preseason the non-conference game. So my thing is to save them but have them efficient by scoring just as much points for using this energy. That means we can play the entire season and become stronger as a team. That's tougher than to defend in one or two players. Mm -hmm. and, and and so those early tests, I mean, you mentioned Mississippi State, but so someone like Victoria Vivians, is that an opportunity to sort of measure where you are year over year to go up against her? Yeah, I mean, obviously they have a lot of great players. She's an awesome shooter. I know she killed us last year in that game. So, I mean, it's good just to see what other players have certain strengths, like what you need to work on, but then it's also good to know them. Like, she's a shooter. We know that this year that we probably didn't know as much last year. Like, mm -hmm. I think that's ingrained in a few of our heads because we were so Fair enough. annoyed yeah. at the shots that she did make because yeah. she won the game for them. Right. So we're going to go out there with mentality, okay, she's a shooter, but she's not going to be a shooter tonight. So I think it's more just learning people and how they play mm -hmm. and then trying to stop that. Because once people get out of their comfort zones, you know, it can change people's games. And, and I guess this for really all three of you, when when there's talk about, you know, how UConn has so much respect in the game, right? But you, you're competitors. The idea isn't to respect UConn. The idea is to supplant UConn. I'm just curious, do you guys visualize what that would feel like, what that would sound like and, and 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 if so i'm curious for each of you like what that vision looks like in your minds uh, mackenzie if you mind starting i'm i'm curious obviously <laughs> I, it would be a lie to say that we didn't visualize that every day mm -hmm. um i i just think you have to it's a different mentality because obviously you know that they've won year after year after year but you just have to realize that it's wide open anything can happen that's why we play the game of basketball right so you go out there and compete every time we get a chance to and for me, like that's, I'm like I love like being the underdog and trying to like beat somebody. Like I'm the most competitive person you'll probably meet. Mm -hmm. So when I take for Team Australia, everyone wants to beat Team USA, right. and it's the same here. You know, Team USA are held on that pedestal, but so are UConn. And like I think this year. They've lost a few really good players. They're still going to be awesome, no doubt. But there is a chance, and like I think I see that. I think a lot of my teammates see that. Coach mm -hmm. sees that. So for me, I I visualize it all the time. Like I reckon it'll be awesome. But obviously, we have a lot of work to do. We can't. We have to focus on the games now. But it's definitely something that would be awesome if it happened. What What does it look like? What What do you see? So you You're visualizing. Are you Are you walking off the court victorious? Are you seeing yourself making those shots? You know, what is that vision like in your head? I think just like 
playing as a team because that's the way you gotta, you know, like you gotta attack. Like you, one person isn't gonna beat Connecticut. Sure. There's no, that's never gonna happen. They play an awesome team game. They're co really well coached. Mm -hmm. So everyone playing as a team, everyone doing the little things, and then you know we'll see what that amounts to if we win. Like that'd be awesome. Sure, understood. And coach, what about you? Of course, I visualize. I'm, I'm a ultimate competitor as well. Uh, knowing he sets the standard, uh, you have to look at what he does and put yourself in the best position in order to compete with him on on the level. But you have to understand and break down why he's so successful, mm -hmm. how he plays the game for 40 minutes. And if you look at that, then you say, well, what is his strengths? What is his weaknesses? It's hard to find mm -hmm. in it. So you have to be disciplined. You have to contest shots. You have to play at a high level. You can go on and on and on because it looks like they play a perfect game. Mm -hmm. But if you talk to Coach Ariyama, he don't say they're going to play. He say if we play our perfect game, he don't think anybody can beat us. Right. When I look at that, that was that team. You're four first-rounders. Mm -hmm. Now he's got to find a different chemistry. So he's in the same boat that I'm in right now when I look at it. Feels like an opening, right? Well, I mean, it's going to always feel like an opening. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look at the way our football team played against Houston. True. They just lined up. They had a week to prepare. Mm -hmm. And they and they prepared and they went out and they played the game and they executed and they started from beginning to end and they dominated from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. It's just a matter of how confident your team is, how disciplined your team is, and how together they are. Is is that gap, you know, because you talked about efficiency, right? And yes. by, by the efficiency numbers, UConn was number one offense, but number one defensively yeah. as well. Yeah. Do you think the biggest growth uh, for your team this year has to come on the offensive efficiency side of the ball or defensive <laughs> side? Well, I think it is... You can relate this to either one. It's going to be the details and the discipline of those details. Mm -hmm. And that happens on both the offense and the defensive mm -hmm. side. Right now, I don't know which is our strength. I don't know whether we score better than we defend. I don't know whether we rebound more than we turn it over. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things. We're in the process of trying You're to still learning it, it for yourself. You're saying, yeah, yeah but at the same time, I'm stressing them all. Right. But there's one thing that's going to outweigh the other until we understand completely. So much stuff I'm throwing on the table at them right now. They're trying to figure out, and they're trying to figure out what's the most important. Is it rebound or is it details? is running the plays and setting the screen. They have a lot of that going on right now. Once we get to the point of we tip that thing off on November 11th, only 11th, mm -hmm. uh, I think at that point we're going to know because mm -hmm. it's going to be specific about the particular team that we're playing. I mentioned to them we're going to take each game game by game. Mm -hmm. We're not looking to the next game. We're not looking to UConn. We're not looking to Mississippi State. It's Texas State on our first mm -hmm. our first game that we, we line up and play those 40 minutes. That's the game we're going to look at. When that game is over and we've maxed out, then we'll start talking about the next game. We're going to do every game like that all season long. And that's when I'm going to determine how good my team is. Schedule kind of does you a, a uh, favor in that way, right? Because you, you do get, I know it's it's a gauntlet in non-conference, but it sort of ramps up to, you know, with UConn being at the apex right now, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's why we have to play as a team. If not, I'm going to burn one or two players out. Right. And, sure. and God knows I don't want to injure anyone. No, of course, of yes. course. Um, you, you have experience uh, as an assistant in the in the WNBA, so I'm just curious, just in terms of Alicia's next level, where you see that game as of right now, and, and I don't mean to presume, but Alicia, if, that's, if the WNBA is in your mind, where you see you need to get to in order to play at that level as well. Well, just speaking on Alicia, Alicia has the potential to be, in my mind, with her work ethic, a first rounder. Mm -hmm. She just now has to understand what it takes to become a pro. Right. <coughs> and what it takes to become a pro, 
It's now how hard you work because every player that goes to the WNBA works hard. And it's a lot of players that don't go to the WNBA that work just as hard. Mm -hmm. Now it's about how efficient, how detailed, and uh, what craft do you master? When you master something, you have to do it well because when someone is going to pay money for your services, they need to know each and every night they can count on that one particular thing. Now, if you can do that one particular thing good and some other things, obviously that one particular thing great and some other things good, right. that makes you more versatile and more valuable. Mm -hmm. You know, but that's the deal. I want her to know she can get me 18 points a game mm -hmm. from doing it one specific thing and mm -hmm. just do that all game, then you do that. That's what the pros want to see. The pros want to trust that you can do that. By being a pro, coaching in the pros, I know that's exactly what it entails. You know, and, and Alicia and I have that type of relationship that we can speak up front. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking at for. I'm looking for her to gain the trust in developing her skill set right now because with her versatility, with her length, she should be able to shoot the ball, handle the ball, pass the ball. All of those things, but I need her to do one thing that's going to make her pro, and then we can do all those other things very well. And what about you, Alicia? When when you think of the players, especially at your size at the next level, in a way that you know five, ten years ago it was essentially unheard of mm -hmm. to do the things that now you know Elena does, that 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 Brianna Stewart does. Do you do you feel as if um, your development needs to be different in that way to sort of uh, you know if if the WNBA is a different league for players who are 6'3", 6'4", now than it was? Um, I think like the WA has always been a goal of mine. Mm. And then I think it started with Lauren Jackson's. She's 6'5", Australian yeah. who <laughs> right. she can shoot, she can do everything. Oh. And I think I grew up and my dad, everyone was always like, you can't just be a post, like you're not just going to play that way. You, you can. Right. So I think it has, it's always been a focus of mine that I need to work on my skills. And now, of course, you see the Candace Parkers, the Del Dons, of course, Brianna Stewart, who can shoot, they can do everything from that, like a three, four, like swing position. Mm -hmm. So I think it is, like, I definitely, I know, I, I know, like, obviously they're the standard. Mm -hmm. They're what, they're the top of the, the cream of the crop. So I think that's, it's, it gives me like, a direction or a goal like that okay mm. I need to do stuff similar to them to get there but I also kind of want to do my own stuff too sure and and so even extending the game out to the three-point line you know which like you said is something Lauren did is that on your mind as you know let's say part of the to-do list when you think mm. of what you're doing here at school yeah definitely yeah. Um, I think I shot a little bit more last year from right. the three-point line but it still needs to improve dramatically like it's not a consistent thing mm. so that's definitely a goal of mine but I don't know. I'm one of those people that have to say I need to work on all aspects of my game. So. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting because, you know, the range, and, and, and even there are some players who have waited until they got to the lead mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah. You know, someone like Emma Meesman was not shooting threes really until the end of last year. Mm -hmm. Is that a mental thing? Is that a, I mean, more than a physical thing? Because, you you know, your range extends already, you know? Yeah. So so what what is that in your mind? I think it is a lot mental. Like, you know, you know how to shoot. You know, you you know you got good form, but as soon as you get that past that white line or whatever color it is, it is. It's like this is worth more. I don't know. There's something psychological about it, but I think as an athlete, you have to overcome that. Um, is there's a jump from obviously college three point range to WNBA international, mm -hmm. and I think I was kind of lucky as I grew up playing the international line. True. But, I mean, it is psychological, but you can't think about it too much because if you get in your head, it's 
not good. I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> and, and Mackenzie, just in terms of, like, geographically, what do you think, what it would mean to you if the next great basketball power came from, you know, uh, from the place where you have lived, you know, like you said, you know, where, where your parents have watched you play. Right. You know, is there a significance there? Is there, uh, the reason I ask this is, you know, even the multiple Pac-12 teams in the Final Four last year, they spoke about what it meant, you know, to point out that, you know, look, in the Pacific time zone, we're still playing really good basketball and that was a that was a, a moment for them is that significant when you think about it um for sure i mean i think just growing up in the place where are you saying like if the great a great power came from texas right? correct exactly yeah. yeah um just because we've all played against each other we you know like so yeah. i think that would mean a lot um just seeing where we stand next to them or even if it was us um, that would mean a lot just mm-hmm. our fans getting to do it in front of the people that we love and so I think that would be Was Mariah specifically someone who you looked at when you thought about what your game could be I mean or, or is that is that too simple is that you no, know for sure yeah. um, I grew up playing against her I worked out with her a couple times yeah. and I think that's really neat just to compare your game and see like it's not that far off you mm-hmm. know that it, it, it exactly. is possible and I think that's really neat What did you think of her rookie year in, in, in San Antonio what did you were you were you surprised by how quickly she adapted to the to the WNBA? Not at all. She's an amazing player. Um, I think y'all talked about her uh, year at UConn, and it was weird because I watched her in high school. Sure. And I saw how great of a player she was, and then I saw at UConn she she was uncomfortable at first, but then she amounted to even a greater player, and it was just it was neat seeing her game adapt, but yeah. still seeing her be absolutely still yeah. seeing her be a great player. Well, that's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at. Locked on WBB, both for updates and insights into the world of college and pro women's basketball. You can follow us on Facebook. Uh, Go ahead and like us, Locked on Women's Basketball. And also feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes, Locked on Women's Basketball. I'm Howard Megdahl. I'll be back with you later this week with another episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Have a lovely day.